Hey everyone, welcome to the State of Us podcast. <coughs> My name is Billy Edmund Byrne. In today's first episode, we will be discussing the COVID-19 coronavirus epidemic has a natural origin. Firstly, before I get into it, I just want to say that I hope everyone is staying safe, doing all they can to self-isolate. If you have to go out on uh, for emergencies, please, um, please do keep two metres apart. <coughs> but yeah, let's get right into it. Um, the novel SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus that emerged in the city of Wuhan, China, last year and has since caused a large-scale COVID-19 epidemic and spread to more than 70 other countries is the product of natural evolution. (coughs) According to findings published today in the journal Nature Medicine, the analysis of public genome sequence data from SARS-CoV-2 and related viruses found no evidence that the virus was made in a lab or otherwise engineered. By comparing the available genome sequence data for known coronavirus strains, we can firmly determine that SARS-CoV-2 originated through natural processes, said Christian Anderson, PhD, an associate professor of immunology and microbiology at Scripps Research and corresponding author on the paper. In addition to Anderson, authors on the paper, the proximal origin of SARS-CoV-2 include Robert F. Gary of Tulane University, Edward Holmes of the University of Sydney, Andrew Rambout of University of Edinburgh, W. Ian Lipkin of Columbia University. Coronavirus are a large family of viruses that can cause illnesses ranging widely in severity. (coughs) Excuse me. The first known severe illness caused by a coronavirus emerged with the 2003 Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, epidemic in China. A second outbreak of severe illness began in 2012 in Saudi Arabia with the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, M-E-R-S. On December 31st of last year, Chinese authorities alerted the World Health Organization of an outbreak of a novel strain of coronavirus causing severe illness, which was subsequently named SARS-CoV-2. As of February 20, 2020, nearly 167 1,500 COVID-19 cases have been documented.
although many more mild cases have likely gone undiagnosed. The virus has killed over 6,600 people. <clears throat> Shortly after the epidemic began, Chinese scientists sequenced the genome of SARS-CoV-2 and made the, the data available to researchers worldwide. The resulting genome, genomic sequence data has shown that Chinese authorities rapidly detected the epidemic and that the number of COVID-19 cases have been increasing. Because of human-to-human -human transmission after a single introduction into the human population. Anderson and collaborators at several other research institutions used this sequencing data to explore the origins and evolution of SARS-CoV-2 by focusing in on several telltale features of the virus. Sorry for the <coughs> slight pause there, just taking a drink. And before I carry on, um, I do want to mention that we are on Twitter. Uh, so if you'd like to go, um, go and follow us over on Twitter, where I will be holding polls and letting in on um, upcoming episodes, uh, you can find us at State of Us Media on Twitter. That's twitter.com forward slash State of Us Media. <coughs> the scientists analysed the genetic template for spike proteins armatures on the outside of the virus that it uses to grab and penetrate the outer walls of human and animal cells. More specifically, they focused on two important features of the spike protein. The receptor binding domain, RBD, a kind of grappling, grappling hook that grips onto host cells, and the cleavage site. A molecular can opener that allows the virus to crack open and enter host cells. <coughs> Evidence for natural evolution. The scientists found that the RBD portion of the SARS-CoV-2 Spike proteins had evolved to effectively target a molecular feature on the outside of human cells called ACE2, a receptor involved in regulating blood pressure. The SARS-CoV-2 spike protein was so effective at binding the human cells in the fact that the scientists concluded it was the result of a natural selection and not the product of genetic engineering. 
the evidence for natural evolution was supported by data on SARS-CoV-2 backbone. Its overall molecular structure. If someone were seeking to engineer a new coronavirus as a pathogen, they would have constructed it from the backbone of a virus known to cause <coughs> illness. But the scientists found that SARS-CoV-2 backbone differed substantially from those of already known coronaviruses and mostly resembled related viruses found in bats and pangolins. These two features of the virus, the mutations in the RBD portion of the spike protein and its distinct backbone, <coughs> rules out laboratory manipulation as a potential origin for SARS-CoV-2, said Anderson. Josie Golding, PhD epidemics lead at UK-based Welcome Trust, said the findings by Anderson and his colleagues are crucially important to bring an evidence-based view to the rumours that have been circulating about the origin of the virus. SARS-CoV-2 causing COVID-19. They conclude that the virus is the product of natural evolution. Golding adds, ending any speculation about deliberate genetic engineering. Possible origins of the virus. Based on their genomic sequencing analysis, Anderson and his collaboration concluded that the most likely origin for SARS-CoV-2 followed one of two possible scenarios. In one scenario, the virus evolved to its current pathogen, pathogenic state through natural selection in a non-human host and then jumped to humans. This is how previous coronavirus outbreaks have emerged, <coughs> with humans contracting the virus after direct exposure to CVs, SARS and camels. <coughs> the researchers proposed bats as the most likely reservoir for SARS-CoV-2, as it is very similar to a bat coronavirus. There are no documented cases of direct bat-human transmission, however, suggesting that an intermediate host was likely involved between bats and humans. In this scenario, both of the distinctive features of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, the RBD portion that binds to to cells and the cleavage site that opens the virus up would have evolved to their current state prior to entering humans. What, in this case, the current epidemic would probably have emerged rapidly as soon as humans were infected. 
As the virus would have already evolved, the features that make it pathogenic and able to spread between people. In the other proposed scenario, a non-pathogenic version of the virus jumped from an animal host into humans and then evolved to its current pathogenic state. Within the human population, for instance, some coronavirus from pangolins, armadillo-like mammals found in Asia and Africa have an RBD structure, very similar to that of SARS-CoV-2. A coronavirus from a pangolin could possibly have been transmitted to a human either directly or through an intermediary host, such as a civet or a a ferret. Then, the other distinct spike protein characteristic of SARS, the cleavage site could have evolved within a human host, possibly via limited, undetected circulation. In the human population, prior to the beginning of the epidemic, the researchers found that the SARS-CoV-2 cleavage site appears similar to the cleavage site of strains of bird flu that has been shown to transmit easily between people. SARS-CoV-2 could have evolved such a virulent, a virulent cleavage site in human cells and soon kicked off the current epidemic. As the coronavirus would possibly have become far more capable, capable of spreading between people. <coughs> Study co-author Andrew Rambau cautioned that it is difficult, if not impossible, to know at this point which of the scenario is most likely. If the SARS-CoV-2 entered humans in its current pathogenic form from an animal source, it raises the probability of future outbreaks. (coughs) As the illness causing strain of the virus could still be circulating in the animal population and might once again jump into humans, the chances are lower of a non-pathogenic coronavirus entering the human population and then evolving properties similar to SARS-CoV-2. Funding for the research was provided by the US National Institute of Health, the Pew Charitable Trust and the Wellcome Trust, the European Research Council and an ARC Australian Laureate Fellowship. So that was the, um, and if anyone is wondering where I found this article from, it is from sciencedaily.com. So if any of you want to check it out for yourself, obviously I know that a lot of you might, might not want to, but for those of you who do and want to be informed, then go to sciencedaily.com. And you'll be able to find the article in there. Uh, to make the first episode 
a little bit longer. I must, I'm now going to jump to another more recent article from NBCnews.com. Houston, two weeks ago, Houston Methodist Hospital opened a special unit to treat critically ill coronavirus patients. The city had reported only a handful of confirmed cases at that point. The city had reported only a handful of confirmed cases at that point. But the hospital's 24-bed coronavirus ICU filled up in only about a week, far faster than doctors anticipated. Alexandra Conan, 26, one of the nurses assigned to the unit, was surprised by the number of patients who were in their 30s or 40s with no prior health problems. Now they were intubated and in critical condition suffering from COVID-19. <clears throat> the respiratory, respiratory disease caused by the coronavirus. These patients can't have visitors and most are heavily sedated. So Carnahan and other nurses hold their hands whilst checking vitals to maintain that human connection. She said the nurses remind them where they are and try to explain why their families can't be there though it's difficult to know whether the patients can hear them. A few days ago, one of them, a man in his 50s, unexpectedly squeezed Conan's hand while she and another nurse bathed him, she said. He apparently could hear her voice and seemed to be reacting. Conan told him everything was going to be okay afterward. She pulled off her protective mask and face shield, stepped into another room and cried. The man was around her parents' age. Seeing that he's, frighten- seeing that he's fri- frightening, Conan said, knowing that it could easily be us or our loved ones, not in the hospital bed. So far, Houston, the nation's fourth largest city, has not recorded a swell of confirmed coronavirus disease. We are not okay. Cases similar to those straining health care systems in New York and Detroit, giving some residents hope that stay-at-home orders issued by local officials came early enough to stop the virus from spreading too widely here. But interviews with the Houston ICU doctors and nurses as well as the daily rise in the number of critically ill patients now showing up in their hospitals, paints a more sobering picture of what's happening in southeast Texas. And before I continue, I'm going to play a video. Oh. Oh. We are not okay. 
We are tired and we are scared. If I infect my husband or my four-year-old daughter, who I haven't hugged or kissed in weeks now, it'll be my fault. It is a ruthless irony. The health workers who can't get close to their own families. Even if I don't have symptoms, I could have already had it or I might have it now. They have had to become family for their patients. Hospitals aren't allowing visitors. These patients have to die alone. And I'm sorry to be so blunt, but it is the truth. And I said, what can we tell your wife? You know, and he said, I just want you to tell my wife that I love her and I hope she's okay. And my intern and I walked out of the room and cried outside of the room. Less than a week later, he died. And then there was the man with dementia and respiratory problems who came to Dr. Matthew Corley's hospital. The only thing that would calm this person down was, was uh, stroking his head. battling lupus. Norstein could be living in a hotel room for weeks. What would you say is the single over the course of one of these shifts? Just the sadness. Where do you see the sadness? I see it on everybody's face. Everybody who's walking around, they're stunned. I love my job. I love being a nurse. And now more than ever, we need to come together because we're quite literally fighting for people's lives and for our own lives. They appreciate the public support. They need more help. And the As you can see, very emotional and powerful video, you know. Um, they are doing the best they can, but obviously it's very heartbreaking as well seeing patients come in and I would just like to thank not only doctors and nurses all around the world but I also would like to thank our doctors and nurses who, who work for the NHS <clears throat> we should um, do as much as we can to support them as well, whilst they do what they need to do. But I'm going to carry on and then 
we're going to continue to close this one out. While limited testing has prevented officials here and across the state from getting a complete accounting of how many people have been infected with the coronavirus, hospitals in Greater Houston have seen a steep increase, 40% over four days, in the number of patients believed to be suffering from the virus. According to a daily census of hospital admissions, collected by the Southeast Texas Regional Advisory Council, which helps coordinate emergency response efforts. Full coverage of the coronavirus outbreak. The 25-county con- region surrounding Houston had reported fewer than 950 confirmed coronavirus cases. Among its 9.3 million residents as of Monday, but on that same day there were 996 people hospitalised in the region with confirmed or suspected cases of COVID-19. According to the Advisory Council count, that figure is not cumulative and does not include patients with COVID-19 who were hospitalised and released before Monday. Dr Peter Hotez, an infectious disease expert and dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, said the disconnect between the number of positive test results and the number of people hospitalised for COVID-19 suggests that a significant majority of coronavirus cases are going undetected here. We know that about 1 in 5 or 1 in 10 COVID-19 patients needs to be hospitalised. So what you're seeing in in hospital admissions would suggest that the actual number of cases could be 5 to 10 times higher in Texas than what it's been reported to this point, he said. In an interview with the Houston Public Media on Thursday, Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo, the county's top elected official, said, Public health officials are looking to hospitals for insights on how widely the virus is spreading. Really, the most accurate information, because of the lack of wide-spreading testing, comes from the hospitals. Hidalgo said they all, they, they are still seeing the rates of COVID patients going go up exponentially. So we know right now we are very much tracking the path that Italy or New York were on. So I know it's not a particularly Great, a great topic to cover, especially for the first official episode. But <clears throat> I think it's I think it's vitally important that we discuss these these things, and it's important that we understand 
route. The nature of the epidemic, like from a science base, and to not, this is not to scare anyone because I think we already, you know, in that place already, you know, some of us are frightened of what to, to expect. You know, this is not what. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to give you the, the information. Well, I'm just, you know, we all, we all deserve to know. So, I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the State of Us podcast. Again, <clears throat> we are on Twitter, so if you go to twitter.com forward slash state of us media you can follow us over there like i said um i'd like to hear your feedback and this is one way you can do it so yeah uh i hope you are all staying safe remember wash your hands Stay two meters apart. Don't go out. It, it, don't go out. Only go out if it's an emergency. So yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening, night, morning, wherever you are. And until next time, this is the State of Us podcast signing off. <laughs>